You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. On today's episode of The Door Report, powered by Alaco Finewood Floors, we're joined by Earl Bennett, the director of player development at Vanderbilt, who was a legendary wide receiver on West End for three seasons alongside Jay Cutler. This is a can't-miss interview for all Vandy fans as we dive into his new role with the alma mater and the culture Clark Lee is building. We also dive into the Vandy Boys series win over Oklahoma State and spring football kicking off this week. We've got all that and much more coming right up here on The Door Report, powered by Alaco Fine Wood Floors. Let's ride. You're listening to The Door Report, the premier Vanderbilt podcast for fans who believe black and gold. Commodore Nation. Anchor down. Welcome back into the Door Report. It is episode 75 on a Monday. It is March 15th of 2021. We are, as always, presented by Alaco Finewood Floors. Will, we have a very, very special guest joining us here later in the podcast. His name is Earl Bennett, the former Commodore receiver. He's right up there with Jordan Matthews as, uh, you know, the, the two best receivers in Commodore history to wear the black and gold. We'll talk about his career and his new role uh, with, with uh, Coach Lee's uh, staff on West End. We'll also touch on the Vandy boys. They took two out of three in Stillwater against Oklahoma State. We'll give a hoops recap after their um, elimination from the SEC tournament against Florida. And then we'll talk about some spring football dates, but we'll – this is all kind of leading up to the big interview with, with Earl. It was it was something it's something to watch. Yeah, it's it's absolutely incredible. And he he had me ready to run through a brick wall um, wow. talking about what what they've got going on over there in West End. But I said I think I would be less nervous or not nervous isn't the right. I think we both talked about forgetting that we were you know interviewing someone and we were sitting there <laughs> wa- listening to him talk and listening watching him. So yeah, we were entertained by our own interview. So <laughs> yeah. um, but it, but it's an incredible listen and and great to see Clark Lee kind of bringing back some of these guys that built Vanderbilt football um, kind of to what it is today. No it, doubt. It was a pretty, pretty great listen. Yeah, we got, I mean, you got Javon Hay, a former Commodore, Noval McKenzie. Now you got Earl Bennett and Clark Lee. I mean, how, how many more former Commodores can you fit in there? <laughs> well, we'll see if they get any more in there. But, Will, before we get to the breaking news, don't forget to follow us on Twitter at door underscore report on Instagram, door.report. Like us on Facebook, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Our podcast is available on Anchor, iTunes, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. And while you're at it, go give our podcast five stars and a review on iTunes. It's now time for breaking news. Today's breaking news is brought to you by the Recycling Dudes. You may ask, who are the Recycling Dudes? Well, they're brothers Graydon and Chapman and their dad. Drew Smith, who is a Metro Nashville firefighter living in Westmead. The Recycling Dudes recognize the need for a service that would take glass to the recycling for busy homeowners who care about our environment. They pick up your glass, separate it, and take it to be recycled. They offer monthly service as well as one-time party pickup, starting as low as $10 per month. All you have to do 
is sign up on their website at RecyclingDudes.com. All right, Will, the Vandy boys, they take two out of three from Oklahoma State. Kumar Rocker and Jack Leiter are still good. Uh, Vandy boys are still a good team. They're number two in the country, and they just keep rolling. They did lose on Sunday 10-6. to They were down 10-2. to uh, I think uh, when I checked early, they came back, but it was not enough late. But, Will, Kumar Rocker, Jack Leiter, Hugh Fisher, I mean, is anyone going to beat this team in a three-game series? I, I just I don't see it, uh, even, even the top of the SEC. It's the way the way they can hit. Also, they're starting to get a little bit better at the plate. So, I don't see it. Uh, especially they just beat a top ten team on the road. Uh, so that shows they have they have what it takes to win it all. Yeah, every year you go in with different expectations for Vanderbilt baseball than any other sport. I mean, it it pretty much feels like national championship or bust, which is a yeah. place you're not really used to being <laughs> as a Vanderbilt fan. Feels but good with this with this pitching staff and. Regardless of the bat situation, and always early in the year, there's a lot of talk of they just don't have the bats, it's not clicking, whatever it might be. But it's kind of similar in football where offense fills, puts the fans in the stands and defense wins championships. Right, well, right. Uh, bats put fans in the stands and the pitching will win you championships. And if pitching wins you championships, then I think Vanderbilt's got a pretty good shot. <laughs> they got a decent shot at winning it all, especially when you're throwing two pros on the mound for game one and two. And you can pick whoever you want for game three out of uh, a lottery of, of more pros. So Christian Little has kind of stepped into that role. We'll see if he does. Uh, they did lose, though, on Sunday. They are now 12-2 and two on, the, on the season. Oklahoma State got up 8-0 to zero through the early innings. Uh, they struck out. Uh, they struck first in Sunday's matchup. They put six runs in the bottom of the second. Vanderbilt came back, though. Tate Colwick, Will, uh, has got some pop. He's got a little bit of pop. Isaiah Thomas is hitting well. Jason Gonzalez is hitting well. So um, especially if this team defensively, because we have seen defensively, um, you know, at times you saw Dansby Swanson. Uh, but if they can play well defensively as well behind that pitching staff, I don't see this team losing really at all. <laughs> I mean, it, it, they, the SEC is tough that we'll see against South Carolina next weekend. Uh, we'll finally be able to watch a nationally televised game on Saturday. That'll be on, I'm pretty sure, the SEC network. So, uh, again, we'll, we'll, we'll stay – we'll keep our eyes Yeah, Billy, on. I think the, the SEC is tough might be one of the most understated uh, statements <laughs> ever. SEC, it's tough. Um, it's, it, it's not getting enough attention because it's, it's – college baseball, just because of what it is, does not get as much attention as college football or college basketball. So – but keep in mind that it, according to D1 Baseball's college baseball rankings, that the top five teams are all, all five. SEC teams. <laughs> all SEC. Imagine unreal. that in any other sport. If that was in college basketball or football, that would be – it's unheard of. It's the cream in of baseball, the it's unprecedented, but it's just not getting the attention it deserves because it's college baseball as opposed yeah. to those other sports. But that's absolutely insane that's crazy. to think about that. <laughs> That's really crazy because you look at it and you see you got Arkansas, you got Vandy, Florida, uh, LSU's up there, I mean, South Carolina. I mean, it's it's the same teams. It's kind of the same core uh, up there at the top. So it's going to be a fun year in the SEC as it always is. And again, Vanderbilt, they will play Belmont uh, in the midweek and then they play in Columbia. They'll go on the road to play South Carolina. So uh, it's going to be a fun series in that one. All right, well. We got some basketball to get into. They got eliminated by the Gators. Uh, it, that was a, it was a tough game, tough, tough, hard-fought game. This team, we talked about it uh, throughout the season. They were playing better. They, they were playing their best. And DJ Harvey is a guy I know we both expected a lot from, but he was, I think, the X factor in this SEC tournament. That he helped them with 17 points uh, to beat A and M, and then it, against Florida, he played well um, as well. But will 
another tough loss. It was kind of the story of the year. They lost, I think, six, what was it, six SEC games by less than seven, uh, seven or less. So um, I guess the question is, where does Stat go from here? You know, where does he go in terms of players coming back? We might have a player coming in. So I know I know it's it's going to be an exciting offseason for, for uh, Commodore basketball. Yeah, this this loss to Florida was really a microcosm of the entire season. Yep. It was close but no cigar. And that and Blake Lovell, when we discussed on the podcast last week with him, we talked about kind of recapping and giving a letter grade. And he said that was tough because you look at the season, especially with COVID, and you say, is this team better than the team was last year? And it's unequivocally yes. Yes. Um, without a doubt, this team improved from last season to this season. They improved from game one uh, to the end of the season, lost to Florida game by game. They got better and better, um, even with the loss of Dylan DeSue and other injuries that they sustained throughout the season. So that with that in mind, that they did get better, even though including the tournament, they only had one more SEC win. Uh -huh. um, so the the jump from being going from a bad team to a competitive team to a winning team, the bad team to a competitive team is a tough jump, but it's a doable jump. The, the competitive team to a winning team is where this team has struggled. And when you watched the last five to six minutes of that Florida game, you watched them have countless opportunities to pull in, to pull a defensive rebound, keep the game the tied, beat, to hit the big shot, you have an open look and it just doesn't fall. And that's not on them doing anything wrong. They're very inexperienced. They're very young. It may not feel that way because a lot of what the talk is surrounding Vanderbilt basketball is that Scottie Pippen is gone. So you're thinking that's like stepping back to square one, which in a way it is, but he is just a sophomore. Dylan DeSue was a sophomore. Jordan Wright, I believe, is a sophomore. You, your seniors on this team that were kind of in Maxwell Evans, Cleavon Brown, G.K. Obina, those were not the main guys on this roster. So if you can bring back the core nucleus of this team with Dylan DeSue, Scottie Pippen, if DJ Harvey can come back and perform how he did last year. You get guys back from injury. And if by chance you have Cleavon Brown come back mm. and you could be and, and Trey Thomas's emergence as a three point weapon. I believe you tweeted Trey Thomas is a bad man. <laughs> yes, and uh, that, that's very true. He hit some incredibly key shots in the stretch. Did. They're hitting three key threes in that game. So if you can bring back this core, this jump where they always say year two to year three is a big jump. If mm. he brings back Pippen, the expectations for Stackhouse, which he's never really faced real expectations expectations are going to be much much higher than they were in year one or year two no doubt and the expectations in year two were kind of okay let's let's wait and see let's see how this team develops and and you know we all kind of come to the conclusion they didn't necessarily mesh and develop as we might have liked them to this year but will looking ahead to next year the transfer news obviously with kai kai tandy from xavier potentially there's a little bit of buzz around that we had jack pilgrim from kentucky sports radio uh tweet that out he said the vanderbilt buzz has been growing uh, for Kai Katandi over the last week. I don't know if we're saying that right, um, but uh, you know, it, it, the additions will, it, it's, it's really, it's going to be fun to watch to see who they, who they get, who they bring in. You got a couple of recruits coming in as well. Um, so my, my thing with this team will is, is they played their best basketball late and they did the same thing last year. If they can just begin that a little bit earlier, whether that's midway through the year, because the sec, it's just, it's tough game in game out. Again, we said it's an over an understatement in baseball. It's an understatement in basketball too. Um, so I guess the question is who comes back? Will who, who comes back? Because it's tough to say right now, you got Max Evans still waiting and, and Cleavon Brown still waiting Desu, I think, will be back. But who comes back? I mean, who, that that's really kind of the question. If we can get Pippen and Kai Kai Tandy, boy, that'd be fun to watch together, that backcourt. 
Yeah, I think Dylan D'Souza is probably definitely back. I think he was definitely back before the injury. Yeah. And now with the injury, I would say Dylan D'Souza is close to a lock to coming back because yeah. even with a good draft combine, he'd be looking at a mid-second round pick. He just has to develop more, especially that outside jumper that has potential um, but does need a little bit more work. I would say Pippen right now, I was leaning towards more 80% he's gone. Now I'm leaning more towards 50-50. Yeah. Um, he's, he's second round on the draft boards. Yeah, right the now. way the way he played in that SEC tournament, there's a lot of the things of guys going pro and, you know, kind of not necessarily opting out, but are they really giving it all they had? I mean, I think there was one one uh, sequence there where he was diving into the chairs out of bounds to throw right. a ball back in bounds. So it was great to see one of those guys not opting out, completely playing. Mm -hmm. How, how you're finishing out if this was his last game, there's there's going to be no complaints from Commodore fans with the effort he oh, put forth no. on that court. But I would say Pippen's 50-50. I would say one of the guards is probably gone if there's this uh, – the rumor right. swirling about Kai Kai Tandy, who was the former 89th overall player in the country in his class, former four-star um, um, kind of combo guard, can run the point, but he's a combo two guard. So I would say Max Evans is probably gone, probably ready to move on, but that's complete speculation. Or Pippen has already informed right. Stackhouse that he's probably moving on to the NBA draft. But I would say we won't have Pippen news um, until he's able to speak to some of those uh, NBA advisors, kind of that mm -hmm. give you an idea, give him an idea of where he would land in that draft. Because if he's if if they tell him he's going to be a first rounder, I don't blame him for leaving, no. especially with Vanderbilt's injury. Injury curse, what it seems like, where every oh, single year gosh. they have a couple guys at least with season-ending injuries. So I think Cleavon Brown, if he came back for a 17th year in black and gold, <laughs> uh, would be a pretty big addition because I'm a big – when Cleavon Brown is healthy, this team is completely different. They are. And when DJ Harvey is playing aggressive and knocking down those mid-range jumpers and open threes on the outside, they're a completely different team. And I think they're at least a middle-of-the-pack SEC team, probably top seven, six-ish um, in the SEC next year if they bring back everybody that they potentially can. Yeah, and after the game, Stackhouse was asked about Pippen and even DeSue. Um, Pippen, you know, we look at him right now. Yes, he he could be a pro next year, but he he added that his fam and his family are not pressing financially right now. You know, they, they, they don't need that, that contract. He doesn't need that contract quite yet. He's going to get it. We, we know he's going to be in the NBA. He's going to have a long career there. Does he need it next year? And if he comes back next year, that changes the entire course of this program and, and how they take a step forward because it takes guys like that to come back and continue building the culture. And we talked about it, Will. This is going to be a make-or-break year for Stackhouse and this team. Make-or-break as in winning more than three games in the SEC and getting up to that six win mark, seven win mark, eight win mark, and get it kind of that 500 clip in the SEC. If he can do that next year, he's going to be at Vanderbilt for, you know, four, you know, three, four more years and, and try, have a chance to build something. So again, we'll keep an eye on the Kai Kai Tandy news. It's all speculation right now, but there has been some buzz. And if he can, if, if Stackhouse brings him in, I, I do agree. Well, I think a guard has to go at least one because they're loaded right now, especially with kind of the bigger guards with Jordan Wright and DJ Harvey. They can play kind of that three position. Uh, but again, it's going to be fun to watch and, and we shall see. But we got to move on to some spring football. And will the they're going to open spring practice uh, in a couple days? Their first practice is going to be on Wednesday uh, for spring ball. Uh, it's it's been fun watching a lot of videos they post on Twitter about the team working and and, and kind of forming that brotherhood. Uh, spring game will be April seventeenth. Uh, pro day is uh, is March. Is the pro day today? 
wow, March 15th is today. So I guess uh, there's not a whole lot of uh, buzz around that, but we'll see um, what, what that brings. But, Will, it, spring ball's here, and, and Clark Lee era has begun, and it's really fun to, to kind of keep up with this team, at least at the beginning of spring ball. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how much – it comes out of spring practice yeah. um, because I don't know what the limitations are going to be as far as media are concerned, um, kind of seeing what's going on and whatever Clark Lee decides to do, how much he, he wants to show his hand there because there is a lot of movement. You have a lot of guys, especially on the defensive side of the ball, and things are going to look a lot different. You kind uh -huh. of know generally what to expect with key guys on the offensive side of the ball and those offensive linemen coming back is going to be huge. Um, I'm oh, yeah. excited to see kind of kind of what the reviews are and opinions are at the running back position, um, because with Keon Henry Brooks transferring, uh, you have some new faces back there with Ramon Davis mm -hmm. um, and some guys returning, but didn't necessarily Rocco Griffin, uh -huh. guys like that that didn't necessarily weren't necessarily the head of the backfield um, that are going to have to kind of move into that position. And our expectations are that Davis is going to take over that role. Yep. But a lot of times we'll see one, two, three guys kind of come out come out unexpectedly and become a key player on either side of the ball and look look for that around the defensive line because you did have a lot of movement with Dio Dangbo uh, opting to be eligible for the yep. NFL draft this year. Andre Mintz, those guys have been kind of staples of that defensive line for a while and you brought in Marcus Bradley, Tank Sujit, guys on that mm -hmm. defensive line. So I'm, I'm really interested to read about and hopefully see some video content as to yeah. as to how those guys are performing yeah the videos have been really cool i think they were doing stairs on uh, at dudley field and and you know it's kind of stuff you haven't really seen a lot of this footage um i know one of them i think it was last week clark lee um was fired up at the end of a video he got the guy i think a group was celebrating winning a drill uh but stuff like that it's small things that that you love to see and and they're kind of uh team one that, that's kind of the mindset of this group and Talking to Earl Bennett, we'll get into the interview here soon, but he talked about kind of starting from square one, starting from the ground up, because that's literally what they are doing. Um, and, and especially, Will, you touched on the O-line and coming back. Some of these guys who opted out of last season are back, and that's huge. To see that is some I think is encouraging for Vanderbilt fans to see these guys come back and 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 want to be a part of this. Because last year you saw a lot of opting out. You saw a lot of quote unquote, giving up. I think that's kind of the culture, um, you know, for whatever reason, a lot of these guys had to opt out, but this year you're seeing a little bit more opting in. Uh, so like you will, I'm, I'm interested to see what, what comes out of it. Um, we know there's some staples already with Ken Seals is the quarterback. We, we do believe Ramon Davis is the running back, but which, who are there any young receivers that step up? Are there any young secondary players? I'm, I'm ready to see Donovan Kaufman back in action. You know, I mean, he, he's a guy that, out of the gate against LSU had a nearly took a kick off to the house. So it's those guys that you want to see back on the field. Um, and it's going to be really fun. It's going to be fun to see how they develop and, and how they get developed because Earl Bennett is going to get them developed. And we talked to him. Uh, we're going to get into that now, but will, this is some, this is an interview that every Vanderbilt fan should listen to. I don't care if you've given up on Vanderbilt football or if you're still trying to figure out what's going on with Clark Lee, you need to listen to this interview because it will get you motivated. It'll, it'll hook you, reel you back in to West End and the culture that they want to develop. It's, this is something special. Yeah, if it, you're looking at somebody that would always – I'm a glutton for punishment. I would, I'm going to watch every game and be at every game if they go 0-12 <laughs> for the next 10 seasons. But if, you're, if you ever were or are a, consider yourself a real Vanderbilt fan, listen to this interview 
And if you don't leave this 20, 30 minute interview um, listening to him talk and you don't have a renewed excitement for this program and what's going on around this program, then I, I don't You're think not that you man. really listened or you were never really a Vanderbilt fan because he, we talked about everything from what his role is. Uh, we He talked about um, kind of the culture around it and what they're mm-hmm. trying to do. And then we also went back in time a little bit and rewound the yep. clock and talked about the 2005 catch, talked about playing with Jay Cutler. So. Yep. If if you were if you remember anything around that time period, or if you're a newer Vanderbilt fan and and want to learn a little bit of the history and learn about what they're trying to build there, then this is definitely an interview to listen to. And it was really fun. I, I wish we could, we could have talked to him for hours on end, but coming right up, Earl Bennett, the new director of player development at Vanderbilt on Clark Lee staff. He played there as a receiver from 05 to 07. He's the SC, He left as the SEC's all-time receiver all-time leader in career receptions broken by Jordan Matthews. We touched on that. Also Earl Bennett is coming right up before we get to our interview with Earl Bennett, the legendary Vanderbilt wide receiver now serving as the director of player development on Clark Lee's staff. It's now time to hear a few words from our presenting sponsor, Alaco fine wood floor. No matter what style you're going for, you can trust your flowing job to Alaco fine wood floors. Take a walk through the woods in your home every day. Get your flooring job started today by calling 615-356-0303. Alaco Fine Wood Floors. Craftsmanship you can stand on. Welcome back into the Door Report, powered by Alaco Fine Wood Floors. Alongside my co-host, Will Byram, we are now honored to be joined by Earl Bennett. He was officially hired as the director of player development back on February 8th at Vanderbilt. He was obviously a Vanderbilt receiver. We all know and love him as, you know, one of the best receivers, if not the best of all time in in a Commodore uniform from 2005 to 2007. He left as the SEC's all-time leader in career receptions before having his record broken by another Commodore legend, Jordan Matthews. We'll probably talk a little bit about that. He was drafted by the Chicago Bears in the third round of the 2008 NFL draft. He played in Chicago from 08 to 2013 and then a short stint with the Cleveland Browns. He played in 78 games, caught 185 passes for nearly 2,300 yards and 12 touchdowns during his NFL career. And Earl Bennett, thank you so much for taking the time, man. How you doing? Yeah, I'm doing well. How y'all doing today? Pretty good. Uh, we're, we're really looking forward to this because, you know, we've had many guests, but I don't know if any of them uh, could top this one because we, <laughs> you know, you're, you're one of, obviously, we're kind of a younger generation of Vanderbilt fans and being able to watch you, um, especially in 2005 against Tennessee with, with the, the game winner, we'll talk about that. But I want to start with the decision to come to Vanderbilt um, and kind of how it went down with, with Coach Lee and, and getting that call, what it felt like and, and kind of your decision making process. Yeah, so I actually had the opportunity to uh, take a position here in like 2018 and 2019. But during sign, it, it just wasn't right. It wasn't uh, the time for me to come back to the institution. There were some things that I felt needed to be changed. And so Coach Lee called me on a Friday morning at like 6.45 a.m. And I, uh, I I ignored the call because I didn't have his contact. Like, I, I've never, <laughs> like, had a conversation with Coach Lee. I never knew who he was until, you know, he called me. But I ended up calling him back. And we just talked about core values. We talked about, you know, leadership. Uh, we talked about, you know, really the trajectory of this program and the possibilities that are there. And so he offered me the position as director of player development. I went back, talked to my wife. 
um, who we pondered over for about a week. Uh, I, I actually had two follow-up calls with, with Coach Lee um, before officially making a decision. And it was just, uh, it was the right time. You know, we starting at ground zero. Um, we look at this as team one, an opportunity to build something that's going to be uh, long last and not something that's going to be short term where, you know, we, we, you know, pretty much come in and, you know, five years and we have success and we're out. Like we're looking to be here long term. We're looking to really establish ourselves in the SEC, but also like establish ourselves like nationally, uh, being a part of the college football playoffs and really going to the national championship. Yeah. Hey, that, that's, that's good to hear, especially from Vandy fans. Uh, you know, we've seen it in baseball, basketball, but um, you know, again, trying to get to that level in football, it's going to be fun to watch. Earl, I want to talk now about kind of, you know, your feelings right now. Obviously you haven't probably stepped foot on Vanderbilt's campus, uh, you know, very many times after, after graduating, I'm sure you came back, um, you know, for, for a few things, but um, now you're here every day, you know, this is your, this is your life. Uh, what, what's it, how does it feel to, to be back at, and, and uh, kind of what are some key things that you've seen um, change uh, from, from when you were there and now looking at it at, at West End now? Yeah, man, this is new Nashville. I mean, the entire city is just, you know, exploded. There's so much stuff going on and, you know, really just um, for the better. I mean, when you look at Nashville and the, the resources, the opportunities that are here, it's just, you know, it's continuing to grow. It's compounding. It's one of those cities that, you know, are very attractive to tourists. It's very attractive, you know, for recruits. But I think for us, uh, the biggest change that I've seen has been more so, you know, within the organization, the organizational structures. And that's what, you know, piqued my interest to, you know, pick the time now to come be a part of it. Uh, the campus, uh, not so much has changed. Uh, I mean, there's only so much that you can build around and, and right. put up new dorms and tear down old ones. But I mean, I lived in Morgan Lewis. You know, Vandy Barnard was my freshman dorm, but it's, you know, gone now. I'm not sure what they call that over there <laughs> Who now. Knows? But, Who knows? Um, <laughs> but it's, um, it's changing for the better. I'm excited to see the growth. Uh, I'm excited to see, uh, you know, really – uh, Vanderbilt continue to improve, not just from an academic standpoint, from a, a, a competitive sporting standpoint uh, in all, all sports, not just, you know, football, but basketball, soccer, lacrosse. And I think we have the uh, resources to do those things now, just about, you know, really taking that next step forward. Yeah. So thanks once again for joining us here, Earl. But uh, you know, I don't think 10, 15 years ago, I could be wrong here. I don't think director of player development was as common of a role um, within college athletics and college football programs. Kind of take us through uh, what that role entails and kind of what your what your role here is with the staff here with Clark Lee. Yeah, so director of player development, when I was here, it was not um, an official title. I had nobody to really go talk to. I had nobody to Know, engage with in terms of uh, personal issues, both on and off the field. And so it's kind of one of those things that you have to navigate on your own. But now my job is to help players, uh, student athletes grow both on and off the field uh, as just people. I think a lot of times when we look at the student athlete, we fail to humanize them. We fail to look at some of the issues that they have from a personal standpoint. So my job is to you know, really be that liaison for one to help fresh incoming freshmen emerge into, you know, campus to, to learn what it's like to be a, a Vanderbilt student, 
uh, but to also, you know, provide them with the resources that they need to be successful both on and off the field. Another one is community initiatives, uh, really uh, giving back into the community, giving back. And our uh, student athletes are very fortunate. And so we want to make sure that we are conscious of what it takes and, and what it means to actually give back. It's not just, you know, Vanderbilt Athletics writing a check. It's about being out in the community. Obviously, there's some issues with, you know, the pandemic right now, but we're working around doing other things with Ron McDonald. We're doing some Zoom stuff with Turner Heroes. And so that's one of the issues that we definitely take pride in. But then also, I'm just implementing this new uh, pipeline to pros, which will start on 320. It's a, uh, a really like a symposium for our student athletes to be able to learn about the draft process, to learn about agents, to learn about what it means to be a professional player, but also take that one step further to learn about the NFL services and NFL PA services, such as you know, 401k, learn about the Gene Upshaw uh, account, learn about HRA account and different services, the opportunities that the NFL has, you know, while you're playing in your post-career too, we think that is very important. And also uh, piecing in that financial literacy aspect of it, which is not a part of Pipeline to Pros. There are some professors uh, who are in accounting and who are in marketing that are looking to help us with a financial literacy piece because, you know, once guys go and make it to the NFL, even guys that don't go to the NFL, we all still have to learn how to budget our money. We all have to learn how, how to invest our money and what ways to sustain that wealth. And I think it's important to have these different programs. So that's really, you know, in a nutshell. And then I also help with uh, alumni relations. So the Black and Gold Club and the Gridiron Club, I help out and assist with making sure we keep our former student athletes integrated into our program and also the National Commonwealth Club with some fundraising stuff too. I know there is a wide receiver coach right now, Earl, but I think a lot of Vandy fans, when you got here, were like, oh, maybe maybe this is our new receivers coach. But no, you are you are the, the player director of player development. I'm sure the receiver room is chomping at the bit to learn from you a little bit and, and, and wait for you to get in there. I know every player is, but for you yeah. in particular, are, are, are you going to have um, a little bit of influence, more influence in that receiver room because you were a receiver? Or how is that going to work with, with how Clark Coach Lee um, kind of organized organizes that so unfortunately due to NCAA rules I'm not able to do anything on field with the players mm -hmm. uh, as an administrator and as a as a director of player development I'm only able to assist them off the field wow interesting mm -hmm. okay so we got yeah. our answer there no no uh, no, <laughs> tips. no tips from coach Earl but um we we, we do kind of want to dive in now to kind of the message to Vanderbilt fans that, um, yeah. you know, you guys have been trying to get across. I know you have the message to recruits. Uh, it's, it's the hashtag come get developed. And, and yeah. especially with the team, team one um, of the Clark Lee era, but for fans kind of sitting, waiting around wondering after, um, you know, a tough year, this is, you know, a tough year for Vandy fans uh, across the country, but for you coach um, and, and, you know, I don't know about coach Earl, um, <laughs> what, what is the message? What is the message to Vanderbilt fans with, with the staff and, and, and what are you guys kind of working towards to get that across? Yeah, I think the number one thing is that habits drives outcome. And we're really trying to change the habits you know, of this program. Um, there are some things that, you know, needed to be shipped. And I think that we are working tirelessly to really overcome some things. But I think for the fans, they should be excited 
Uh, it's a new day of Vanderbilt football. Everything that we know in the past, we erase it. We're starting with team one. Everything is brand new. We change the optics of everything in the building because we we have a fresh start. This is ground zero. And so I would just say to all the fans, let's, let's rally around this program. Let's get back into it. The time is now. We're going up. Like there's just so many great things that are happening in our building that, you know, we're inspired by, we're excited about, and we just look to continue to improve on it. A lot of people, you know, always see Vanderbilt as, you know, the doormat of the SEC, but it's a new time now. It's a new day. We have a new regime. We have a lot of people that are excited in this building. A lot of people working hard. And we're getting started this week with spring ball and just going to continue to go from there. Man, you've got me fired up. I was Let's already go, baby. No, I think I'm a little bit more bought in. Um, you you came to Vanderbilt when uh, Bobby Johnson, who is widely appreciated by Vanderbilt fans as just being a great guy and led Vanderbilt through some tough times in the Southeastern Conference during that era and saw some success they hadn't seen in a good amount of time. How would you describe this current staff and specifically Coach Lee and kind of his coaching style and, and philosophy? Yeah, there's a lot of similarities. Uh, we both played under Coach Bobby Johnson, and we're fortunate to really learn uh, just the organizational structure and what it takes. Because uh, Lee and I are, are both huge fans of Sinji's and his organizational structure and his leadership, and just really learning about uh, what it takes to create a, um, a system that's going to be productive Obviously, we know that, you know, with, with all things, you know, time time is of essence. And to be able to really build a program, we're going to have to be dedicated. We're going to have to be uh, mundane in our aspect and our pursuit of greatness. And so as we continue to navigate, you know, learning the, the organizational structures in terms of who does what well, what player, you know, is X, Y, and Z, and that's for the coaches. And then for me, just uh, from a standpoint of how do I help this guy develop and become the best person, player, uh, brother, son that he could be is really what, you know, everything is about. And so without organizational structure, it's really just mapped out in, in ways that we can care and help every single individual uh, reach their highest potential. Uh, we have what is called the care team to where you know, if we see certain individuals who need certain attention that we're able to implement them and get them in the care team system. So I think as we continue to progress and we continue to build this thing, I think it's just gonna um, be a, a, a nice flow chart to be able to help our player achieve greatness. All right, Earl, we said we we're gonna throw it back a little bit to your career. Let's send it to 2005 in, in Knoxville, Neyland Stadium. Oh man, here we go. <laughs> It's been it's been what twenty it was twenty five years since you guys hadn't um, since you guys had beaten Tennessee and this is yeah. this is a game where I think a lot of Vanderbilt fans hold very very close to your heart I know you probably still do but talk us through that game and 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 what you were feeling and because you were rolling kind of especially late in that fourth quarter yeah. that late drive and then we get inside the ten yard line Cutler throws a pass that I still have no idea how it got through to you but it did and that ended up being the game winning touchdown talk us through that last drive and then the touchdown to to just create madness there in Knoxville yeah so we knew going into the drive like we had to score to win the game like we had to go ahead and put it away and so we get into kind of a a hurry up offense it wasn't really two minutes it was just a little hurry up offense and so 
I never forget the first pass that kind of like set it all up. Right. Uh, if you watch it, I run like a little, uh, I run a spacing route over the ball and Jay throws it. It gets tipped a little bit, but I still catch it, take a shot from the safety, pop up, boom. I go out wide, Jay call vertical. So it's all go. So I run the all go fade, he throws it. I catch it on the sideline, right? Then we come back next play. He called all verticals again. At this point, <laughs> he's just calling the plays, which, right. which was very cool because very seldom, you know, you have like a quarterback that has that type of yeah. uh, authority. You, you know, typically you get the play from the offensive coordinator. So he called verticals again. I run the vertical, get the pass interference. And so he's like, all right, come on, let's let's keep going. We're still running, <laughs> you know, hurry up offense. And so we line up. At this point, I'm gassed. My hands are on my hip. I look at him. And he gives like, you know, the lion sign, uh, which is just double slants. And we run double slants and and he throws it. And to be honest, I'll tell people this all the time. There were two times that I did not really see the ball that I've caught touchdowns from Jay. One was the slant at, at Tennessee. And another one, I ran a similar route against the Eagles. I think it was in 2000. Well, man, 2000. 12 I think 13. it was 12 it was yeah I think 12 it was 12 13. yeah yeah and honestly I I honestly did not see the ball I just kind of just placed my hands away and it stuck to it so right I mean when you're playing with a guy like Jay you just know the ball is going to be in the right position where it's supposed to be and you know a lot of times it's just chemistry it's just you know just working the kinks of that nature out obviously you know catching that ball in 2005 and then you go all the way to 2012 and it's a similar pass a guy literally runs right in front of the ball and you just try to make a play on it so you, you know whenever you bring up this era of that 05 to 08 that time frame 04 to 08 you all you think synonymously with you and Jay Cutler and that's that's yeah. when I became a fan of Vanderbilt or the first time I remember that's why when I began having season tickets I believe it was 2004 um and I haven't missed a game since fortunately or unfortunately depending on the season um jay cutler has somehow still managed to remain pretty prevalent especially on social media how is his personality just private wise because you see a lot of the stuff on social media whatever it may be but just describe kind of playing alongside him yeah i mean that's pretty much him like what you see on social media <laughs> i mean a lot of people may think that you know it's a it's a ploy but I mean, that's Jay, like he, he's one of those very like uh, deep, you know, uh, philosophical thinkers that, you know, really don't give you like never shows his hand. Right. But he's always like there to engage and just playing alongside with him. It, it's just always playing. Like I can recall coming to the huddle, my very first catch against Wake Forest. <laughs> he throws me a hook. I know he throws me a hitch route, five yard. I catch it and turn it to like a 28 yard run. And I come back to the huddle and I yell at him. I go, throw me the ball. <laughs> and he just starts laughing, right? Because, like, here's this freshman who just had, guy? like, his first catch, right? Just had his first <laughs> catch in, in college. And he's screaming, throw him the ball. Like, he's oh, just, like, funny. this big deal. <laughs> and from there, man, it just um, – it took off. In terms of the second game, we go play Arkansas – I'm still learning the plays. He's helping me get lined up. Eric Davis get injured that game. And then going into the third game against Ole Miss, we're, you know, we're up just out starting two receivers. So I'm the number two now. 
And then Marlon White ends up injuring his ankle that game. And so we go into, I think the fourth game was, yeah, because we won the first three and the fourth game was Richmond. And before the game, Jay, uh, Jay comes to me and he goes, hey, man, are you ready? And I go, yeah. He's like, no, are you ready? And I go, <laughs> yeah. And he just like smiles, right? Like, so his, are you ready was, I'm going to throw almost 20 passes your way. <laughs> you <laughs> better be ready. ready for right. And I mean, that was a game that, you know, I, I, I had, a, I think it was probably my first 100 yard game, uh-huh. uh, a really, really good game to where, you know, from there, it just, it just took off. Like we just started to build a rapport at practice and started to build that chemistry and refine it. And I mean, we get down to, you know, I think we had a really good stretch there, South Carolina, um who yeah. else we I mean there are some teams that we were just I mean we were just lining them up and get to that last game and you know everything goes well yeah we're, we're hopefully trying to rebuild that with Mr. Ken Seals and, and with some of these other receivers uh coming up but Earl I want to ask about uh Jordan Matthews and and um you know I'm not I'm not quite sure what the kind of relationship you guys have uh yeah. but he you know back in uh 20 when did he break the record it was at it was in Knoxville um uh, he had 13 catches for 133 yards uh, to, to lead Vanderbilt over Tennessee, 14-10. Um, yeah. But that was a game where you kind of felt like, okay, th- this guy is right up there with Earl Bennett um, in terms of his production and what he can do on the field. And he said after the game, I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to act like this isn't a big day for me. Coming to Vandy, uh, I didn't have Earl here, but I always looked up to him. Um, he was the best as far as I was concerned. So what what did – that, you know, obviously he broke the record, but what did that mean to you to kind of have, you know, him say that about you and, and then kind of create this this bond between you two um, of easily, you know, no doubt the two best receivers in the school's history? Yeah. So I tell Jordan all the time they need to put an asterisk next to my name <laughs> because, you know, I only played three years. So I knew that. I, was, I knew that was coming. You know? So, no. <laughs> but no, Jordan is, Jordan is literally, man, is my brother he is a guy that when he was uh finishing up his last year you know I messaged him hey go get every record that I have like and I mean that like sincerely because uh, I would much rather a former Commodore break every single record instead of someone else in the SEC so if you look at it right now we got the top two you know right and hopefully we can just continue to keep it that way we continue to have more Vanderbilt guys up there. And that's what, you know, I'm telling recruits, like, hey, look, you have the top two receivers in receptions come from the same school. Nobody else can say that they have that. So who's going to be the next guy to come and break our record? Because your record is going to be broke. You know, somebody's going to pass me. Devontae Smith almost passed me had he not (laughs) got hurt. (laughs) But it's, it's one of those things where, uh, I'm I'm happy to to be a you know a, a mentor. I'm happy to be a sponsor for these guys to let them know like I mean, you can come to Vanderbilt, you can make things happen, you can go play six years in the NFL. I think Jordan played like seven or eight, and he's currently you know a free agent trying to continue that uh, career. And it is just it for me it, it's it's all love. Like for me to be able to you know, have this relationship with Jordan. He sent me a picture yesterday that we took, I think, in, in 2013. And it's just, you know, it's just a, it's cool to see those things because we're growing, like the Vanderbilt Brotherhood is something that we talk about a lot and continuing to, 
you know, improve that relationship and continue to build that bond is what makes us make this university so special. No doubt about it. And, and especially with you guys on West End beginning a new era, um, you know, the, this hashtag come get developed is, is, is obviously going to be thrown <laughs> around the building a lot. And, and we, we love it here at the door report uh, as creative um, as it is. So for you guys, what does that mean? I know it's pretty simple. You know, you guys, the goal is to, to develop them, get them to the NFL. But what are kind of some of the deeper meetings and themes behind that uh, there on campus? Yeah, so come get developed. It, it is much more than just, you know, come here, play football, excel, have the opportunity to play professionally. It's like come get developed like both on and off the field. Come get the education that is number 14 in the nation. Come get the experience of the number two campus, most beautiful campus in America. But then come get developed as a person, like come do some community work. Come learn about the intricacies of the NFL process. Come learn about, you know, different ways that Vanderbilt University could really provide resources for you. But then also just come get developed as, you know, uh, from a, a, a 360 uh, standpoint, because we have everything that it takes to help you become successful. And we're going to provide everything that we can do to help you reach your maximum potential. So when we say come get developed, yeah, we have the coaches here. We have guys that coach in the NFL. Both our offensive and defensive coordinator were yep. just came from the NFL. Coach Rye comes from the Green Bay Packers and Coach Mentor comes from the Ravens. And so when you have guys like that around you, yeah, you can come get developed from a professional standpoint in terms of trying to become an NFL player. But then you have guys on the other side who understand what it's like to to have success, what it's like to attend Vanderbilt and have an undergraduate degree and have a master's degree from the institution and really can help you develop into the person that you want to be outside of football. That's what we provide. Come get developed for the for the athletes. How about come to the dud for the fans? How, <laughs> yeah. How's hey, that sound? Hey, man, I'm, I'm behind that. <laughs> I'm behind that. Come to the dud. I'm, I'm 100% behind that. Let's do it. Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm to I totally am too. I know Will is also Earl. Thank you so much for taking the time. Uh, this was awesome. And, and uh, good luck, obviously, uh, you know, we really wish we could see you on the field sometimes, uh, maybe coaching, <laughs> but, but we'll definitely, uh, we'll, we'll look forward to, to seeing you develop these guys and, and get them to the NFL from Vanderbilt. But thank you so much for taking the time today, my man. Absolutely, man. Thank you all for having me. Well, that does it for episode 75 of the Door Report, powered by Alaco Finewood Floors. Huge thanks to our special guest today, Earl Bennett, the legendary former Commodore receiver, played alongside Jay Cutler. Had three great years in the black and gold. Talked about his career and the new culture with Coach Lee and the Vanderbilt Commodores. For myself, Billy Derrick, Will Byram, and Earl Bennett, you've been listening to Episode 75 of the Door Report, powered by Alaco Fine Wood Floors.